G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to talk about marriage and asking the question, where to from here? Because as you know, the Turnbull government is pushing ahead with its plan for a same-sex marriage plebiscite, even though it faces certain defeat in the Senate. The Special Minister of State, Scott Ryan, introduced the bill after it passed the House of Representatives when Parliament last sat. Well, he's called on Bill Shorten and the Labor Party to allow the Australian people to have their say. So I wonder how the numbers are likely to look in the Senate. Uh, Will there be a quick vote on this or will it be a lengthy debate and will there be negotiation? Well, let's get some insight from Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby, who's joining us for this conversation over this next hour. I just want to encourage listeners, you might have for your say on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Lyle Shelton, welcome along to 2020. Uh, Thanks very much, Neil. Great to be with you again. Well, Lyle, even as we speak, we've got uh, parliaments back in the Senate. They're actually talking right now about the marriage plebiscite. Uh, You've caught some of the early speeches. What sort of things are being presented? Yeah, it's it's quite fascinating, Neil. Um, The debate started around about uh, 10 o'clock or a bit after 10 o'clock this morning here in Canberra. Uh, As you said in your intro, the Special Minister of State, Scott Ryan, introduced the plebiscite enabling legislation into the Senate. Uh, It's already passed the House of Representatives. But uh, I guess the sad thing is that uh, this bill is doomed to to fail because Labor uh, has said it will use its numbers in the Senate to block the legislation along with the Greens, along with uh, Senator Nick Xenophon's uh, team and uh, Senator Darren Hinch and Senator David Lionhelm. So uh, it doesn't have the numbers to pass the Senate and it's unlikely that, uh, well, it's it's now certain uh, essentially uh, that uh, there will not be a people's vote uh, to determine the future of marriage on February 11 of 2017. And there'll be mixed reaction to that, no doubt. And perhaps listeners to our conversation today will be quite disappointed that that is the case. Do you have any ideas, Lyle? Uh, Is there speculation about what Plan B might be uh, if there is this blockage to the plebiscite in the Senate and uh, if that happens today or sometime this week? Well, um, I I think it will happen today. I'd say the Senate will talk this out uh, and bring it to a vote today sometime. But in terms of a plan B, the government has made it very clear there is no plan B. Um, The Turnbull government went to the last election saying that uh, it would uh, introduce a a, uh, people's vote uh, as a way to resolve this long-running issue, which uh, continues to be brought up over and over and over again by activists. It continues to fail in the parliament. Uh, And so um, the Turnbull government has said uh, it's a plebiscite or nothing. And uh, I expect that if this is voted down uh, today, that uh, this matter will remain gridlocked uh, for some years now. And uh, it'll be incumbent on the Turnbull government, uh, I believe, to ensure that uh, the only way this can change in the future, whether it's before the next election or after the next election, is is when the people have had a say. And as the uh, Minister for 
the Special Minister of State, Scott Ryan, said this morning when he was introducing the legislation, um, if, if it's up to the parliament to decide or, or some politicians to decide what matters can and cannot be debated by the Australian people because uh, they're not to be trusted, and this is essentially Labor's argument against the plebiscite is that they don't trust the Australian people to decide on this issue because they, they think it'll get the debate will get too acrimonious and too violent and that people might uh, kill themselves, uh, heaven forbid, uh, th this really sets a terrible precedent uh, where parliamentarians can decide um, which, which issues uh, the people of Australia can and cannot be trusted with. So it's an absurdity, uh, the logic being used to block the plebiscite, but it seems like uh, this is where it's headed and uh, there is no plan B and I expect this issue to be off the agenda uh, for some time now. And I guess from one perspective, uh, if you are on the no side and you support marriage between one man and one woman, uh, actually you could say that the fact that there is, uh, if there is a defeat of the plebiscite legislation, that actually that is, uh, that's good news. It's, it's a reprieve. It's, it's more and more time uh, to continue to get the message out about the value of marriage between one man and one woman. That, that's exactly right, Neil. And it was fascinating to watch the uh, minister for, uh, sorry, the special minister of state, Scott Ryan, uh, who had carriage of the plebiscite machinery bill, uh, actually reading uh, from and quoting from an ACL email to that effect. Uh, when Labor first announced they were going to block the uh, plebiscite, uh, we put out an email saying that uh, this is good news in the sense that it does give our side more time. I think we all realise that uh, the, the majority of people um, when asked uh, in opinion polls seem to support changing the definition of marriage. Now I think it's a very soft support because people don't really understand the consequences and uh, the gift that uh, Labor and Bill Shorten has given us in blocking the plebiscite is more time to persuade people, more time for people to realise that there are serious consequences when you take gender out of marriage. People are starting to realise that hang on, the safe schools uh, idea um, and uh, material that's being taught to children they're, they're, that their gender is fluid uh, is all part of the same agenda to de-gender marriage and this all flies under the rainbow <coughs> Pardon me, pardon me, Neil, uh, under the rainbow flag. And so uh, the more this sort of information comes to light, I think the more persuadable uh, Australian people are, and, and that's the gift of time that uh, Bill Shorten has given us. You know, Lyle, mostly we look at Bill Shorten and the Labor Party and we assume that everybody on that Labor side of politics is rabidly uh, marriage equality in that uh, terminology in support of same-sex marriage. Uh, we assume that's the case, but is there a possibility that, uh, given that they've taken this particular position, that there may actually be a whole lot of people on the Labor side of politics that realise that something is pretty much amiss with this whole set of uh, ideas and legislation about same-sex marriage? There are certainly people within the Labor caucus who know that and, and who know it deeply. Many of them are afraid to speak out because the party has capitulated almost entirely to the rainbow agenda. I saw that firsthand when I attended their conference in August of 2015 in Melbourne and they even brought a rainbow flag up onto the stage as they were celebrating the fact that they were going to force all of their parliamentarians from 2019 to have to vote in favour of gay marriage. There'd be no tolerance for a different view from 2019 in the Labor Party and you would be expelled from the party if you exercised a vote 
contrary to gay marriage. So that's how rabid the party has become in terms of this agenda. But I know that not all of their members agree with that. Um, there is a, a core of people who, who don't believe that, uh, but they are very much uh, the minority, sadly. But I do believe over time, as uh, the Australian people begin to wake up to what is actually involved with uh, rainbow politics and, and this agenda to de-gender marriage and take gender uh, out of our schools, uh, that uh, I think the, the wheel will turn full circle. And uh, it's amazing what can happen in politics. Once um, the, the public start to uh, mobilise on an issue, politicians uh, often follow suit. And um, I think it's only a matter of time before Labor comes back. But it could take a few years for that to occur. And the longer we can hold off uh, same-sex marriage in Australia, the longer we can continue uh, persuading our fellow Australians that this is not the way uh, of human flourishing and it's not what we want for our children in terms of them being taught that their gender is fluid, uh, in terms of being taught radical homosexual sex education in schools uh, as, as occurs through the so-called Safe Schools program, uh, then uh, I think uh, people can be persuaded that we, we really should retain uh, marriage in law, the ideal uh, of a man and a woman uh, and children children uh, as the basic building block of society, as the natural group unit that we aspire to. Obviously, we don't always achieve that. We are, we are uh, failed and flawed individuals, but we do need to have an ideal as a society and as a civilization to aspire to. And uh, I think um, that is common sense, and I think uh, politics will come back to common sense uh, even on the Labor side in due course. But it's going to take uh, it's going to take time and it's going to take commitment from all of us not to disengage from this debate just because the immediate political crisis has, has now been averted. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. You are on Vision. It's Neil Johnson with you. The Monday edition of 2020, we're asking the question, where to from here in the marriage debate? Uh, as you know, as uh, we've already talked about in our introduction to our conversation today, of course, the Senate is debating today the plebiscite legislation. And our two guests, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby, is with us. And uh, I want to bring into our conversation today uh, Ros Phillips from Family Voice Australia also joining us. Uh, hello to Ros Phillips. Hi. Good to be with you, Neil. And uh, Lyle. <laughs> Ros, we have been talking about this. Uh, it's in the Senate today. It is a significant day today because the likelihood of this plebiscite legislation being voted down, uh, not sure if you heard our conversation a little earlier, but the idea of the plebiscite legislation being voted down actually gives something of a reprieve uh, to uh, people who are on the no side of the uh, idea of marriage. Uh, your thoughts on on the fact that there will likely be a long delay before this comes to uh, any sort of legislation? Well, I think that's, uh, as you say, uh, an answer to prayer in a way, because uh, we needed more time to get the message out of why it's so important to keep marriage man-woman, as it's always been throughout history. Uh, it's been hard to get the message through with the media not printing or not reporting, the other side of the story and uh, we need more time to get out by word of mouth letterboxing other ways to uh, let people know there is another side to the story. 
Okay, the argument is not done with yet, uh, but there is, and uh, listeners will have heard, uh, there is something of a reprieve and uh, even uh, from uh, Ros Phillips, something of an answer to prayer. Well, you might like to contribute, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 Our two guests, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby and Ros Phillips from Family Voice Australia. Let's take a call from Lynn in Adelaide. Hello, Lynn. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, good morning. Um, I'd just like to, um, on, in Adelaide, on the Sunday Mail this week, weekend, we, uh, there was an article called Turnbull Faces Gay Marriage Ambush. Malcolm Turnbull could be forced to deal with a push to legalise gay marriage on the floor of Parliament if Labor and the Greens choose to exploit the chaos in the state. Senate. Um, the ambush is being encouraged by marriage equality activists who do not support the pleb- a plebiscite but because they see it as um, hate speech. Um, I'm just wondering whether they can actually do this. This is because uh, Family First uh, Senator Bob Day is, uh, has had to quit. Um, and there's uh, National One Party Rob Carlton who faces a high court challenge. And the Greens, Scott Ludham, I think it is, um, who is um, on leave for depression? So they're saying that uh, it might there might be an ambush today within the um, the Senate. Is okay, Lynn. Let's get a thought from Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby. Lyle, your response to Lynn? Yes, uh, Lynn. I, I saw that article as well. Um, I have to say it's it's a beat up. Um, th- those numbers in the Senate that uh, Samantha Maiden mentions in her her story are, are really quite irrelevant because. Um, uh, the way it stands at the moment is um, if, if a same-sex marriage bill was put into the Senate, a private senator's bill, it would probably get up regardless of whether Bob Day's there or, or um, Senator Rob Cullerton. Um, the, the, there's nothing new in that story. The, the same-sex marriage activists and the, uh, the Labor Party have signalled all along that they want to block the plebiscite and then try and force... Um, a bill either into the Senate or into the House of Representatives or, or, or both. Uh, now, if, if a bill passes the Senate, um, there's propaganda value in that, but that's it. Um, the, the government has said that there is no Plan B and that it will hold uh, its discipline in the House of Representatives where it does control the numbers. And uh, for any same-sex marriage legislation to get up, it has to pass both houses of parliament. It can't get through the House of Representatives uh, unless there is a massive uh, breakout of uh, ill discipline, uh, which would undermine the prime minister's authority and probably bring down the government. So I don't uh, take any stock in that story that uh, Sam Maiden uh, wrote in the uh, Sunday News Limited papers. Um, I do think uh, this will be gridlocked and it will be gridlocked for some years to come. Thank you so much to Lynn from Adelaide for your insight, uh, for your input today on 2020. We're taking calls on 1800 316 316. Let's hear from Jason in Dolby in Queensland. Hello, Jason. Welcome along. Morning, Neil. How are you today? I'm well, thanks, Jason. What are your thoughts? I'd just like to say to Neil and Oz, um, thank you for your commitment to, to the Word of God and Jesus. Um, two things. The Labor Party and the Greens and the, like this is to do with the safe school thing and it's supposed to be about anti-bullying, but they're using bullying tactics within the Parliament and that they're bullying anyway. So that just doesn't seem that seems hypocritical. Hello. Yeah, we're with you. And uh, let's get and, a thought from uh, what, what else were you second, going to add? And the, and the second thing is. In the whole 
homosexual marriage debate thing, the equality and that, there's always a this and this, but I've never heard the D word come up. Do they want the same right to divorce as well, do they? Because once there's marriage, there's also divorce, and I, and I know that homosexual couples, even though they are, have a life partner, they can have relationships outside of that relationship and come back together. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, issues with the way relationships are but conducted I'm, and the I'm, research I'm, that's I'm, gone that way. Uh, Jason, let's get some thoughts. Uh, Ros Phillips, uh, your thoughts on what Jason is sharing on those couple of points. Well, I think Jason's absolutely right about the bullying, that uh, the Safe Schools Coalition is, claims to be anti-bullying, but even in the schools, the result is the result of their program is that children who are upset by what they're being taught are being bullied. And, of course, it's happening in the Parliament, but uh, that's typical of Parliament, I'm afraid. And I absolutely agree with Lyle that uh, the beat-up by Samantha Maiden in uh, News Limited or News Corp papers it is just that. It's a beat-up. But uh, the plebiscite bill was going to fail regardless of uh, Senator Cullerton and Senator Day. And what counts is in the... House of um, Representatives and as long as Malcolm Turnbull and his party stands firm on that, there will be no same-sex marriage for another up to three years and as I said, I see that as an answer to prayer. It gives more time to get the message out and yes, if they got same-sex marriage, they would get same-sex divorce. I don't think that worries the uh, same-sex activists. Really they're not really interested in getting marriage for its own sake. Uh, I think some of their agenda is to destroy marriage. And uh, that's the sad reality, and that's part of the message we need to get out. Thank you so much to Jason from Dolby for your insight this morning. one 316 Our two guests, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby and Ros Phillips from Family Voice Australia. Let's take a call from Mary in Victoria. Hello, Mary. Welcome along. Hi, how are you? Very well. Thank you, Mary. What are your thoughts? Um, one thing I haven't heard much about is I agree that we've got to get the message out, but, I mean, I'm a Christian. I think we can express our views, but... We've got to be also a little bit like Paul when he went into one of the cities. He said, I noticed that you have this, um, you know, uh, like your poetry is about whatever. He, he, he took their everyday things and then um, conversed with them, you know, about those things, but sort of drew in the things of God. So, like, for example, the Greens, they are, well, they used to have their platform of protecting the environment, keeping it pristine, it's natural in its natural state, don't, you know, build things on it. We need to take that concept and say, well, marriage is just like that. Why aren't you fighting for it? You know, it is a natural thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a pristine thing. And why destroy it? So I think we need to better link what we're, our message is to what's important to the people who are not Christian. So Because a lot of people dismiss us because we are Christian. So I think we've got to do better linking with what people see as important or their issues as well. Uh, Mary, let's get some thoughts from Lyle Shelton, uh, reflecting back to the Apostle Paul on Mars Hill and uh, making reference to uh, the, uh, the, uh, the idols to an unknown God and actually then using their own poetry uh, to, uh, to uh, actually uh, communicate a message of the gospel. Is this a new sort of a, a way that uh, you could plan a, a lobbying defence for marriage? What are your thoughts? 
Look, Neil, I think Mary's um, exactly right. Uh, and certainly the approach we take, uh, and, and, I'm, and I know Roz takes, is, is very much a, an evidence-based approach. Uh, it's one where you engage the thinking of the day in the same way that uh, Paul on Mars Hill was engaging the thinking of the day of the various philosophers and looking for, for points in the culture that you can uh, grab onto to communicate your point. And uh, so, so we, we very much do that um, by uh, trying to show the, the consequences of changing the definition of marriage. Um, so we never argue that uh, the Bible says, therefore, uh, you must do this. Uh, obviously, we're informed by a biblical uh, point of view and a biblical view of human flourishing. But uh, if you can show people the, the consequences of their actions, uh, just as Paul was showing people the consequences of, of uh, worshipping uh, an unknown God, of having that unknown God in their in their pantheon, uh, we can uh, appeal to to their reason and to their logic, and uh, and 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 sometimes to their illogic. Uh, for example, this morning, as the debate got underway in the Parliament, um, in the Senate, uh, Senator Janet Rice was one of the first to speak. Now she. Uh, was talking about her marriage uh, 30 years ago, got married 30 years ago to, to someone who's a man, uh, who now identifies as a woman, uh, has, has undergone a, a transition of some sort and identifies uh, by the name of, of Penny. And uh, this to me just seems, um, you know, to, to most Australians, whilst they would uh, have respect for Senator Rice's relationship, would uh, probably not really resonate with that as an ideal of, of, of marriage um, and, and the suggestion that therefore we should change the marriage law to accommodate same-sex marriage because uh, Senator Rice considers herself to be in a same-sex relationship even though she's married to a biological male who, who might have undergone some sort of transition. So I think by pointing out um, the, the scientific uh, lack of logic in, in some of these views, I think we can appeal to things in the culture that will resonate with with uh, very, very many ordinary Australians, even if uh, the elites driving these debates are so blind that they can't see how illogical these things are. Uh, I know that's probably not a perfect answer, but that's probably the best I can do in response to what Mary's asking. Mary from Victoria, thank you so much for your insight today here on 2020. And uh, we're only a minute out from news. Uh, a very, very quick response. Uh, Ros Phillips, uh, some uh, issues there that Lyle raises about evidence. There's a tremendous amount of evidence, a very short response, but tremendous amount of evidence uh, that shows that marriage between one man and one woman is best. Oh, indeed. And in fact, in France, there have been huge rallies of over a million for true marriage. And they're being led by not just Christians, by atheists, people from all backgrounds and all religions. So it's not just the Christian religion. Um, it, it's a universal uh, understanding that marriage should be from two complementary people, male and female. Two special guests taking your calls this hour, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby and Roz Phillips from Family Voice Australia. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Before we take some more calls, let me ask the important question, and I'll come to you first, Lyle Shelton. Uh, the idea that the plebiscite is not binding, uh, there has been some suggestion that if the plebiscite were to be acceptable to all sides, that it would need to have a binding result. Uh, Lyle Shelton, what are your thoughts on the idea of a binding plebiscite? I think, uh, Neil, it's, that's very much a moot point. This has been used by 
those which are trying to stop the plebiscite as an excuse not not to have the plebiscite. Um, a plebiscite, by definition, is non-binding, but the aim of the plebiscite is to give the parliament an indication of what the will of the Australian people is. It's not like a referendum which is binding. But the reality is that uh, the government has said that they will respect and implement the result of the, of the Australian people's wishes expressed in the plebiscite. So um, it, it, it's as effective as saying that it is binding because the government of the day uh, has as policy to implement the outcome of the plebiscite. And uh, this has been a bit of a furphy and a red herring that's been used to undermine the legitimacy of the plebiscite and it's caused a lot of confusion and I think that's been very regrettable. We are taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take one from Brenda in Western Australia. Hello, Brenda. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Um, this is slightly off topic but um, one of the things I'll comment I wanted to make was, as I understand it, the main argument for gay marriage is that they say people are born that way. Now, I think Safe Schools has done us a huge favour by saying that gender is fluid. Surely that totally negates their argument. That's a significant point. Let's get a thought from Ros Phillips. Ros, you follow this whole gender fluidity issue along very closely. How does that actually work in the favour? Is, uh, is Brenda right? What are your thoughts? Well, Brenda makes a very good point. Um, of course, all the science is now saying that uh, people who are same-sex attracted are not born that way because when you have uh, identical twins who have exactly the same genes and exactly the same hormones in the womb, and one turns out to be homosexual and the other doesn't, it can't be due to, uh, can't be due to genes and it can't be due to hormones in the womb. Uh, gender's another matter. Some of people are starting to say that uh, you're born transgender, which is uh, very, very curious, or that you're born um, with your gender possibly changing. So we're getting all sorts of crazy ideas put into schools with no science backing. Um, and uh, Brenda's right. If gender is fluid, then uh, they're not born transgender. But some people are twisting it to say they can be. But the reality is the twin studies show, both for homosexuality and transgenderism, that... Uh, you're not born that way because you get identical twins and one's one thing and the other's the other. So uh, that's the reality and the sad thing is that the safe schools aren't teaching it. Uh, let's get a thought or two as well from Lyle Shelton on this point because, uh, Lyle, this is and has been one of the main argument points on the, uh, the gay marriage, the same-sex marriage side of the debate. And uh, is this a sense in which if you start talking about fluidity of gender, uh, they've actually shot themselves in the foot and uh, demolished their own argument? Yeah, very much so, Neil, and I agree with everything Ros has just said. Um, I mean, the, the T and LGBTIQ, <laughs> the whole alphabet spectrum uh, that uh, goes with this rainbow agenda, uh, stands for, for transgender, the B for bisexual. I, I mean, by, by definition, by their own definition, uh, they have fluidity built into all this. So the idea that you are hardwired uh, at birth as, as uh, homosexual or as, as some other gender that's different to your biology, uh, I, I think is illogical by their own um, 
by their own reasoning. And certainly from a scientific point of view, uh, that's the case. Uh, you either have male or female uh, chromosomes. Uh, that's just a biological reality. And I think what we're seeing with this uh, so-called uh, gender theory or queer theory is a lot of confusion being created. And uh, I've certainly spoken to psychiatrists and paediatricians who are seeing uh, what they call uh, an avalanche of uh, children, adolescents presenting uh, with uh, confusion about uh, their gender and they're having to try and uh, treat these uh, young people and, uh, and trying very hard to encourage them not to do things to their bodies that they might uh, later regret. Uh, and we know from uh, the, the big Swedish study that was done uh, tracking uh, people who had had sex change operations over some uh, 20 years or so, they found that people uh, 10 years after having had surgery had a uh, suicide uh, morbidity rate uh, 10 times higher than the non-transgendered population. Now, they don't teach you that in safe schools when they're telling children that they might want to transition their gender at school uh, and even the Nevo video in the Safe Schools program uh, which tells kids that they, they should go off and get surgery if they need it with or without parental consent. This is highly dangerous, um, it's not scientific and uh, it's causing all sorts of confusion uh, to this uh, modern generation. Thank you so much to Brenda from WA. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let me reflect a, what might come back to a very, very simple question. And, uh, and I'll get your thoughts, uh, Lyle and, and Ros. And it's a very, very simple question coming back to basics. And I guess we always have to come back to basics and even issues of definitions of what a plebiscite does, what it is. Because I had a call from uh, one listener who wants to remain anonymous but says uh, for Christians, uh, the Christian community uh, says uh, Christian community, it's uh, the plebiscite. Some, now what they're saying, sorry, I'm just reading this little note. Uh, for Christians, is the plebiscite uh, something we should support or not? And then they're going to say, I disagree with same-sex marriage but I'm confused where I should stand on the plebiscite. Now, there's some definitions uh, issues in there, but uh, we always have to come back to the very, very basics, and not even everybody understands what a plebiscite is. Uh, uh, Ros Phillips, uh, your thoughts on just coming back to the very basics and a Christian position on the issue of same-sex marriage and where does a Christian stand when it comes to a plebiscite? Well, it's a good question, Neil. And a plebiscite, which is a bit like a referendum, but not quite so um, bound up in law, because with a referendum under our constitution, there are all sorts of rules that have to apply. A plebiscite allows everybody in Australia who's uh, eligible to vote to say whether they approve or disapprove of a particular idea. And uh, I think all Christians should support something like this, either a referendum or a plebiscite, on something as fundamental as the meaning of marriage because it affects so many things. And uh, so absolutely, I would support a plebiscite rather than a vote by MPs because this is something that everybody deserves to have a say, just as they did on the Republic, whether Australia should change from our current legal system or current political system to a Republic. A very, very big change. And we all had a say. And I believe on the issue of marriage, we all need a say as well. 
I guess there are some issues that are so monumental that the opportunity for all Australians to speak is necessary. And uh, reflecting, though, as I understand it, Penny Wong was addressing the Senate earlier, and uh, and she's saying that major reforms like the abolition of the death penalty or native title rights, the Racial Discrimination Act, the Sex Discrimination Act, did not require a plebiscite. They were voted on by the Parliament. Uh, but this is even bigger than those sorts of issues. Uh, your thoughts, Lyle Shelton, on, on just the enormity of this issue of when we talk about uh, marriage as a institution in our nation? Yeah, I think um, with respect to Senator Wong, she's probably being a bit disingenuous there. I mean, those issues she mentioned uh, hadn't been coming up over and over again in the Parliament uh, and being dealt with and rejected by the Parliament over a period of you know some 10 years or so, which is uh, really what has been happening with the whole issue of redefining marriage. Uh, it's been coming up over and over again since 2004 um, and, and quite aggressively since the end of 2010. There's been something like 17 uh, bills uh, that have been rejected by the Parliament on this issue, uh, rejected one way or the other. The Parliament has decided not to to um, bring them to a vote because uh, there hasn't been the support for the issue. Uh, there's been numerous um, Senate inquiries. Uh, there's been a House of Representatives inquiry. Uh, none of the issues that Senator Wong has mentioned were subject to that much parliamentary time. Um, there, there wasn't the same level of um, of uh, of uh, division, I guess, in the community over those issues that the Parliament was able to deal with that in a way that was uncontroversial. But this issue is different. It, it keeps coming up over and over again. And the Abbott, the then Abbott government last year, rightly decided to put this. Uh, to the Australian people. And, and that mechanism exists in our democracy. Um, we've had something like 30 or so plebiscites at state, uh, territory and federal level since uh, Federation. They're not unusual. They've been held on a whole range of issues. And, and from time to time, uh, the parliament needs the ability to take an issue uh, which uh, causes uh, a lot of community concern uh, directly to the people. It doesn't happen on every issue, but this is one such occasion where it's more than justified. We are taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Nigel in Western Australia. Hello, Nigel. Welcome along. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you. What are your thoughts, uh, Nigel? Uh, you know, in the the Christian tradition, we have a very rich and deep understanding of both marriage and of love. Uh, are you still there? Yes. Um, and it does concern me that. Um, in the debate, uh, the, sh- the argument tends to be fairly shallow. Um, you know, we've had uh, politicians who say with tears in their eyes that everybody should, uh, who loves each other should be able to get married, but they don't actually define love, neither do they define marriage in the kind of richness that, uh, that the Christian understanding has. I think um, we really are seeing a vacuum in the Western world where we're People on mass seem to be throwing out the Christian worldview, but what do you replace it with? Would be my uh, question and comment. Good thought. Let's get a response from Ros Phillips from Family Voice Australia. Ros, your thoughts? Well, thank you, Nigel. That's a very important point. We see all over the place love is love, and that's all that's needed for marriage. But of course, it's not. And if you had that as your reason, why wouldn't you allow? three people to marry or ten people to marry. Um, You'd certainly legalise polygamy. That's been around for much longer than same-sex unions. Um, 
you'd also allow incest. You, uh, love in the current understanding is such a shallow idea and it doesn't reflect the Christian understanding of self-sacrifice, of uh, giving of yourself uh, without expecting anything in return, all those ideas. And Nigel, you're absolutely right. I just wish that the media could think more deeply about this. Nigel from WA, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. one 316 And uh, just to chime in there, of course, uh, there are different ways that Christians think about love. And while there is a shallow way that our parliamentarians appear to reflect love, uh, when we're a Christian, and uh, if you've been around for a little while, you'll hear words like agape love. It's the sort of unconditional love that comes from God that is reflected through uh, believers who are walking in a Christ-like discipleship. Uh, and there's other words for love like eros, uh, which is where we get the word erotic from. And uh, it's only one uh, one portion of what we would understand of a bigger, broader definition of love. And so it really is a tremendous opportunity to be able to talk about love and to talk about marriage because there is a deeper richness about marriage that comes from the Christian understanding of marriage. Uh, Lyle Shelton, did you have uh, something to add to uh, to that idea of, of the shallowness of the way people define love and marriage? Uh, not really, Neil. Just just to say I agree with everything that, that's been said. Um, I'm deeply concerned by our inability as a society to think and to reason and the fact that glib slogans like love is love and marriage equality uh, can, can so consume a, a political debate. Um, but I'm very thankful that you know we have this reprieve that uh, this issue is is likely to be gridlocked for some time, and um, we've got an opportunity now to help our fellow Australians think a bit better about what love uh, really is. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you. Two special guests, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby and Roz Phillips from Family Voice Australia. We're talking about the plebiscite legislation. It's being debated in the Senate today. The likelihood is it will fail. We're asking where to from here and taking calls 1-800-316-316. We may have time for just a couple more. Let's hear from Coral in Cooma in New South Wales. Hello, Coral. Welcome along. Thank you. What are your thoughts, Coral? Look, I've got a, a bit of a dumb question, and I'd like to ask uh, Rod Phillips, etc. They can comment. Sure. What is it? Where does the Royal Commission into Child Sexual Abuse fit into all this? Look, my my opinion is that we've been all horrified of the things that can happen, and uh, look, I've read. Um, and Frank's diary and a little bit of Nazi stuff, not much. Look, horrible things can happen and we have been reticent to talk about what good sex is and probably that's covered in when they're talking about agape love. But if we got to the bottom of the uh, Royal Commission into child abuse stuff, would that enlighten us? of what we really thought about marriage and perhaps help us work out better care for people that have fallen between the cracks. Okay, Coral, uh, good question. Uh, Ros Phillips, uh, your thoughts on, on the connections between uh, the, uh, the Sex Abuse Royal Commission and, uh, and the marriage debate and, and uh, these things coming to light? 
Right. Well, I'm not sure whether I can comment on the Royal Commission specifically, but I do know that a very large study in the US, uh, a government study looking at uh, child abuse reports of all kinds, including sexual abuse, neglect and physical abuse and emotional abuse and so on. And they looked at six different family types. And which family type do you suppose, Neil, had the lowest by far rate of any kind of abuse? I suspect you're going to say a family where there's a biological mother and father caring for their biological offspring. And who are married. And married. They were safest by far. I've seen the graph. And the most dangerous family for a child is a family where one natural parent is there plus a parent who is not related to the child. Um, It's very clear that God's plan of one man, one woman, committed for life, is the safest environment for a child. And it's almost, uh, you're not allowed to say that in the media anymore. But this study, which was only a few years ago, um, shows it very clearly that we need to stick and we need to promote marriage as between a man and a woman uh, as safe, safe for children, the best possible way that you can raise children. A very, very good response, and thank you so much to Coral from Cooma for your outstanding question too. Uh, We'll have to draw a line under those calls. Uh, Thanks to those who were waiting on the line. We won't be able to take any more calls today. I want to be able to just draw some loose ends together, and if we come to you, uh, Lyle Shelton, uh, if the... uh, Uh, The legislation is uh, put to sleep today and uh, it'll be perhaps uh, not coming up for another year or two or whenever a next election might arise. Uh, Just let me ask you, is there a way or do you think that there might be an evolution of how this whole uh, debate continues? Is there likely to be a re-engineering on every side before the next election uh, if there's not to be a plebiscite? Look, I think that's the challenge that is before us, Neil. It's so important that none of us go to sleep now or that uh, we think, well, the the immediate crisis has passed and we go back to life as normal. Um, We know that the other side is going to continue their relentless push to redefine marriage. I think uh, what we've got to do is take the opportunity that's been given us to keep making the case, to keep campaigning and to not stop. And uh, uh, ACL and uh, Family Voice and and, uh, dozens of other groups around the country are part of a, a broad coalition which is determined to keep the campaign going. And uh, we want to uh, find a way to bring the plebiscite uh, back onto the political agenda, preferably before the next election. Uh, If not, uh, we want the coalition to continue its policy going through the election, that the only way to change this is through a people's vote. Uh, And... uh, if there is to be a change of government, uh, that would be that would be terrible for this issue of marriage. It would be the end of it because Labor has vowed that they will legislate. So it's important that we make sure people are aware of what the choices are at the next uh, federal election uh, so that we can... Uh, keep this most important issue of marriage preserved um, because as Ros said earlier so much hinges on, on this uh, it has massive consequences so this is not a time to fall asleep it's a time to engage with the campaign to stay in touch with organisations like uh, Family Voice and ACL who will keep you up to date uh, with uh, the developments with the campaign uh, show you ways you can get involved in letterboxing and door knocking and uh, advocacy uh, and, and particularly talking about it in our churches and with our friends so that uh, we don't let 
this issue uh, be put to rest and that we continue to win this back in our society and in our culture and in our politics. Well, the argument is not over. The Senate is debating that plebiscite legislation today. It's likely to vote it down. And uh, let me just encourage uh, listeners uh, to become informed about the issues. And uh, you can do that listening in on 2020 and Vision National News. Uh, You can also uh, check on some of the websites uh, from various guests that you'll hear on 2020. Uh, Of course, the Australian Christian Lobby. We're talking to Lyle Shelton, who's the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby today. Also, Roz Phillips is with us from Family Voice Australia. Simply Google Australian Christian Lobby or Family Voice Australia and there are plenty of other organisations too uh, that have a perspective on the marriage debate which is about maintaining marriage between one man and one woman. But to you, Lyle, and to you, Roz, thank you so much for taking time to to express your hearts uh, with us today here on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, thanks a lot, Neil. Thank you, Roz. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.